0: Hey guys princess here and welcome to another episode of Bye pumpkin um guys it should surprise no one that i waited the last minute to record this i don't know what's been getting into me lately i think it's just that like my weeks are so fucking busy right now and i'm just I'm, I'm i'm working on some ways to get them not as busy see the thing is i like to be busy and when i mean but by busy i mean i like to have things to do i like to do things i like to i like to you know fill my life up. I don't mean busy like with my fucking hair on fire. I don't like that. That's ridiculous. I I strive not to live my life like that. It's been like that for the last couple of weeks. Um you know, I'm just prepping for Wellington's day. Uh I got lots of work shit going on. It's supposed to be a slow season. It's not slow. Uh I record two podcast episodes a week, by the way. I have a Patreon, guys. It's at patreon.com backslash pumpkin. And this week I recorded an episode about... Girl, I do not remember. I seriously don't remember. Hold on a second. Okay, I'm back. I did a true life. I'm getting out of prison. So like, and I had a fun with it. So guys, if you, if you like to listen, it's five bucks a month. You get four episodes a month. They're fun. They're usually true crime stuff one off stuff. Next week I'm going so I did Sex Lies in the College Cult in the college cult uh that's a peacock documentary. But Hulu came out with a three-part documentary on the same subject. I'm not going to like recap the whole story, but I am going to talk about some differences and some things, some questions I had when I watched it other about the story when I watched the other thing that were answered in this one. So, I'm going to talk about that this week. I got some other stuff coming up. Go join, guys. It is worth it if I do say so myself. What did what were you gonna spend five dollars on? Exactly nothing. So go ahead and go. <laughs> also, like, um, next week is like one of the reasons I'm busy is next week is uh like I said Valentine's Day, so I do things for my kids. Then also it's like a dress up week at school. My kids have a lot of them and I've been trying to be better about letting my kids participate and things. And my kids go to a very small progressive school. So next week, um, first of all, they have a a black history uh festival that'll <laughs> that'll be happening. Um, next week they have all these different things that they're celebrating. Tuesday is Valentine's Day, so they're celebrating black love. Um <laughs> Wednesday is black future. So you're supposed to dress as uh, who you're going to be in the future. It's shit like that. Uh, (laughs) when my kids had to dress up as like, um, I'm probably pronouncing, mispronouncing as Vaqueros, uh, which I guess are Mexican cowboys that mo that a lot of Western history, Westerns are based on, um, I, Girl, I was struggling. I was struggling when, when they had to dress up in Mexican indigenous, uh, costumes, girl. I, I was like, where do I start with this? What is this? <laughs> But it's fun. And I like that they that they like, you know, my kids go to a school where they get, somebody gets a, uh, an award each week, each month for most emotionally intelligent. You know what I mean? Um, my there is a a small group of fifth and sixth grade boys that are doing that I go to that like they have like a um, a support group where my boys will be learning about me- to- toxic masculinity on Thursdays, <laughs> and Bunny will be going to a women's empower to a girls empowerment group on Mondays. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I just like okay, go ahead. Um. Actually, on Friday, you know, my kids get home early, and and I had like a facial appointment, so I didn't see them when they came home. So I get home, and I, you know, I see each one, I say hello, and I ask them how their day was, and give them. I touch them. It's important to touch your children, guys. Uh, I know it's it it can be second nature, but it's not always second nature, especially like my my family's not a touchy feely family, and so. It's not always second nature for me, but so I remember like the first thing I do when I, I, I look each one in the eye when, I, when I'm when i coming home, not in an awkward way where I'm like, hey, come look me in the eye. But like, you know, I walk through the door, I see one and I'm like, hey, and I talk to them and I hug them and I ask them to talk to me about school. And I don't always say like, how was school? But sometimes I'll say, tell me something funny that happened today or tell me something that surprised you. I, I try to like, because I don't want to get just fined back, right? So I'm talking to Monkey. I've, I've made my way through some children. I've made it to the kitchen. A Monkey's in the kitchen. And I'm talking to Monkey. And I'm like, Monkey, so anything surprising happened at school today? And he's like, yeah, um, a girl wouldn't get up when the bus driver told her to get up. And um, the police came. And she was arrested. And they beat her. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Monkey! What are you talking about? And like, I'm like trying to get information. I'm like, who? Who is the little girl? Did This happen on the way to school, on the way back from school. What the fuck? And I, and like, he's like, I don't know her name. And I'm like, what? What? And he's like, yeah. Um, he starts giving me like a few more details. And I realize he's fucking talking about Rosa Parks. <laughs> he's talking about Rosa fucking Parks. And when I sit, I'm like, uh, are you talking about Rosa Parks? He's like, yeah, that's her name. Anyway, we can all sit on the bus together now. <laughs> <I'm> like, Bro. <laughs> Y'all can't tell a fucking story. And I should have fucking known this. Cause like I said, they go to that little progressive school. And then, um, like he's been walking around talking about Martin a lot. He's like Martin in his dream and Martin this and Martin that. And I realized he was talking about fucking MLK. I, I was, I thought he knew somebody named Martin. <laughs> who's on a first name basis with Martin Luther King, okay, (laughs) well, you know what, I don't hate it, and I should have fucking known, because if somebody had been dragged from their fucking bus, one, I would have got a notice, like, anytime something happens at school that's, like, untoward, I get a notification, I either get a phone call, or I get, like, a, a notification, uh, text or something saying, this happened at school, and blah, 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 and this is what we're doing, like, so I'm sure I would have no- been notified if some if the police had pulled the child off a bus and beaten them. Um, but also, Bunny would have told me before I ever got in the door. Bunny would have texted me that. Bunny would have FaceTimed me that at my facial appointment to tell me. Like, there's no way. Cause she doesn't have access to FaceTime till she gets home because she has an iPad, not a phone. Um, she's not going to get a phone till she gets to the middle school. But, bro, <laughs> she would have, fa- should have been like, Mommy, I have something to tell you. <laughs> So I should have fucking known, but still he he got Rosa Parks? Damn! I felt like that meme of, of New York going Beyonce! Beyonce. <laughs> anyway. So guys, listen, um, we are almost done with our, our Yanla series. Um, I've only got three more after this, and I'm gonna strive to get some guests on. I've been having a good time talking to myself lately though, and not having to like schedule guests, so I know, I know, I'm gonna get it done. Um, But today's episode is going to be, it's called Kidnapped at Birth. It's season five, episode one. It's the one about Kamaya Mobley. Um, So which Ayanla do we get today? It's Ayanla, she's in a blue and white polka dot peplum button up shirt with some Miss Sassy jeans, some jeans she got from the Avenue from, uh, uh, not Lane Bryant, but maybe Ashley Stewart. she That's where she got those from. And she's got her reddish brown, kinky curly puff at the top of her head. She looks like Miss Frizzle. <laughs> she looks like Miss Frizzle if if they've got diversity casted. And, and it looks like she's about to take us on a tour of our, circula- our circulation system before fourth grade PE. Like she is, she is, Miss <laughs> Frizzle realness is going on right here. Um, Ayanla starts off with telling us that 800,000 kids go missing every year, but only 115 are taken by strangers. I would like to, again, I would like to like, I I would like to see uh, where you got those stats from. I would like to see how, um, what the qualifications are of these stats. (laughs) And they're right. Um, But it is true that almost all uh child abdu- ab abductions are by a relative. Usually it's a custody it's a it's a non custodial parent. There are very few stranger danger abductions. Like when you see those like there are so and so missing kids and almost all of them are like a, a non custodial parent took this child and left. Which I'm not saying isn't scary. I mean I, that's scary. Um and I'm also like still I don't want my one of my kids being the hundred one of the hundred and fifteen like it's still a possibility and it it's not, but i don't think a lot of people realize i think they think there are a lot of like people just out here trying to get kids and that that's not the case um but in this case Kamaya mobley was in 1998 was 8 days old or mm, 8 hours old and she was taken from a hospital in north carolina um by gloria williams um she was the the newborn child of um a 15 or 16 year old girl and what and when I did the math what appears to be a 23 year old man uh who was not there he was in prison actually and there were no pictures taken of her and I mean they had to do a she's only eight hours old guys they had to do a um a like artist rendering that that's horrible um essentially like she has monk she her mother had mongolian spots which are these like black marks um on her face so they were looking for a baby that had mongolian marks and she also had like a an umbilical hernia and they didn't really have a lot of information um her mother ends up suing the the hospital and gets 1.5 million dollars in a settlement at some point And 19 years later in 2017, I guess, 2017, 2018, she is found. And how is she found is that she confides in a friend that um, her quote unquote mother, Gloria, has told her that she wasn't her mother and has told her she had abducted her from the hospital a year and a half earlier when she was trying to get a, a job. She got the job, but she needed a birth certificate and social security card. You need a social security card or you need some sort of um, work visa to work in the U.S. So that's obvious, but the, but the birth certificate is not a thing you normally need to get a job. So that's interesting. Maybe she didn't have an ID at the time. I'm not sure. Um... My first question was, how did you get Kamiya? Well, she was calling her Alexis. How did you get Alexis into school? Um, I understand that once you got Alexis in the school, it was, it, as long as she stays in the same school system, they never make you verify again. But to enroll a child in the school, you need a birth certificate. You do not need a social security card. They'll ask you for one, but you don't need one because you don't have to be a citizen to go to public school. Well, you need a birth certificate and you need one from, it doesn't matter what country, but you need a birth certificate. And so it's interesting. I wonder, did she have, um, I wonder how that worked out. You never have to go back and re-verify it, but that's interesting. Okay, so that's how she was found out. Gloria was arrested. She was eventually given 18 years. Um, she played guilty and she was given 18 years. Kamaya was. So I'm calling her Kamaya because that's how she's referred to here. And that's how she's always referred to. I find that interesting that she's not going by Alexis because how do you go by a name for 19 years and then just switch it up? And it's not of your volition. It's not something you're like, oh, I'd like to be called this. Um, it's more like. They're like, oh, that's actually not your name, and this is not. I I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if I put myself in her shoes, I'd want to be called Alexis because that, to because to me that would be my name. Um, but they refer to her as Kamaya. Anything you see on like an article or like an interview with her, she's referred to as Kamaya. She does not correct anyone. Love asked her what she wants to be called when she first walks in the door, and she says Kamaya. So. I, I I wish that we'd gotten more of an explanation of how we got there because it seems like a long way to go. And Kamaya, there's a lot Kamaya hasn't gotten through yet. Um. So, oh, one thing I want to say, Kamaya really loves Gloria. She visits her, visits her, she sees her in. You know, she calls her mama. She sees her in, um, she was in all her court stuff. She wrote a letter trying to get her sentence reduced to like nine years instead of 18. And that was denied. Um, According to um, Gloria, at the time she was in an abusive relationship. She just had a miscarriage and she was out of her mind and did that and uh, basically, was like, oh shit, oh shit, and then she raised her. And to be fair, she raised her fairly well. Kamaya said she had everything she needed, and most of what she wanted. And uh, the man Kamaya thought was her father was not is not really a part of her life. Um, apparently, he knew for some time that Kamaya wasn't his. It's unclear of whether he knew that Kamaya was uh kidnapped. And so yeah, it's like, you know, which I'm gonna talk more about when we talk about her biofather, Craig. Um, I wanna start by saying I have like an immense amount of empathy for Kamaya. Um, everybody has a right to know who you are and where you're from and who your people are. Everybody has a fucking right to that. So it's one of the reasons like So my kids are adopted. I'm super transparent about everything I possibly can. I am as I am doing as as much as I can to connect them with bio family. And, you know, I like there are very few questions I, I can't answer for them or won't answer for them. Everything's age appropriate, of course, but like I try to be as transparent as fucking possible because I believe in being able to know your story. Like you have a right to your story. Um, and that goes for like, like even if you weren't adopted, even if you're with your bio family, uh, you should be able to ask questions and people should answer them. I keep thinking back about Bree and uh, Brittany, And from teen mom to and Roxanne, Roxanne just being like, I'm not going to answer any questions, you know, and them finding out later that like that's not Britney's father. But it was sketched from the beginning. She wouldn't even like tell you if they were married. Like you'd ask like, you know, when did you guys get married? She'd be like, why are you asking that? What do you want to know? Like this. But that's part of your story. Although I fully agree that a parent's relationship is in lots of ways, none of the child's business, but there are parts that touch you and that are a part of your business. And it's not weird for you to ask about how your parents got married or if they're married, you don't even fucking know. It's not It's not weird. And so I I encourage everyone listening to this to make sure that the kids in your life know their fucking stories, know, know where they're from, know how they got here, know as age appropriate as possible know their people. They should. And so like I have a lot of empathy for Kamaya. Um I can't like when I was nineteen I this is when I first like realized I had depression, although I didn't realize what it was. And I was transitioning from um being a gifted structured child in high school to being an adult in college and it rocked my fucking ass and like, my early 20s are were fucking tough for me, because I was like, oh, this is what I always thought I was, and in my early 20s, I was like, oh, no, you, I, there's a lot you don't know about yourself yet, and let me tell you about it, <laughs> and so they're really tough, and so I can't imagine being 19 years old and finding out this about yourself. Now, immediately you don't have a family. Now, uh, Gloria had two other children that she raised uh Kamaya with. So Kamaya has siblings. Like, like I know that people hear this story and they immediately are like, okay, so that lady's not your mother, those aren't your siblings. But Kamaya had a really good fucking relationship with Gloria. And so that that's not how she feels. And so I'm taking her lead. Like if she had been like, oh my God, thank God I found out that that this is not my real mother, thank goodness I'm I can be with my then I would take her lead on that. But that's not how she's acting. But her her main parent, because the the, the guy she thought her father is no longer was no longer alive, is gone. She's like on her fucking own. She's got these bio family that's like, hey, you belong to us, and she doesn't. It doesn't feel like she belongs to you. And and your mother's in jail. You know, like I I can't even imagine. I can't imagine handling that at nineteen. And my first question when I first saw this was, who does she have around her? Who, who, who is her good morning, good night? Who is the person that she's going to right now? Because it's not, it wouldn't, it. She might be alone. So, um, the whole premise of this episode was that. Um Kamaya's bio mother, I think her name is Sharna had called the show and and they had um had wanted to come on the show with um with Kamaya, but had pulled out. And so now Kamaya was there alone. Sharna and Kamaya have a rocky relationship. Um, Kamaya says that one day it'll be cool and the next one we won't, and she'll see something on Facebook and she'll be upset. And I think what she's referring to is how Kamaya talks a, a lot about Gloria and how much she misses Gloria and how Gloria is her mother and stuff, and that upsets Sharna. Um, okay, so. I'm sure Sharna is very hurt. I can also empathize with her, but it's important that Sharna find a way to divorce herself from those feelings because those aren't those aren't her feelings those are I mean though like she's not in charge of Kamaya's feelings about that. she can work on her relationship with Kamaya, but she cannot tell Kamaya how to feel about Gloria and she has to come to peace. To, to she has to come to peace with that. I was reading on Reddit afterwards because I wanted to see if anything had come up and someone was like, Well the bio mom didn't want was un- didn't was didn't want her to be found and like I you know, it's one of those things where the threads collapse. I was like, Let me click on this shit because what? Does she think she's gonna have to give back the million and a half dollars? And um Deep in that collapsed thread was basically the person that said that that Kamaya had shared that she and Sharna had gotten into an argument, and that Sharna had said something like, "I wish you'd never been found." I'm like, okay, well, that's, <laughs> they were arguing, but also I can also understand how that would be hard to hear too. Um Someone else was saying that. Kamaya is, is like fucked up, and that she was trying to get cozy with the bio parents because she heard that they had got a lot of money, and that she was upset because the money was gone because they would hired a bunch of investigators over the years. I don't know where that money went. I don't. I don't think they had any obligation on how to spend that money because that money was from the settlement from the hospital for lack of, of uh, negligence on their part in letting allowing this to happen, but. Um, and also like there are lots of people in those Reddit threads being like, this happens all the time, it happens like daily, and then somebody pulled out some stats and it was like, it happened like 500 times since 1954, and I'm like, that's not daily, (laughs) I don't know how true that is, again, you need to look at these stats, don't just take them at face value, but that's not daily, and I think it's a case of we hear about it when it happens, so it feels like it happens all the time, but it doesn't happen all the time. In fact, there are millions of babies born every year. And you do not hear about them being switched to birth or being kidnapped at birth or whatever for the majority of them because it does doesn't happen all the time. But anyway, like I was like and I was like these reddish treats sometimes y'all are ridiculous. But in any case they Sharna and Kamaya have a difficult relationship, and at one point, Ayanla mentions that like Sharna and Craig, Craig's the bio father, and Sharna's the bio mom, have been in relationship with a person for eighteen years that is not that's Kamaya, but and they lost Kamaya, but they found Alexis, and that is something to be contended with, and I like I fucking agree. Um, I don't blame any any of these people for that. I'm just saying that's some shit you gotta work fucking through. It's already hard enough. Um, so I've talked about this before, about how, like, it is difficult sometimes for me to contend with the fact that my kids are like soft, like fucking cream cheese, right? But the reason they're soft, like cream cheese is because, I'm their mother, right? And the reason I'm not is because my mother is my mother. My mother is a person. My mother is not an easy person and she's not a soft person. Um, my mother's not a comforter. She doesn't comfort. My mom, mama's, but she doesn't comfort. And if you want some comfort, you got to go find my dad because my mom is like, it's just not a thing she does. She's not great at that. Um, In fact, if you are vulnerable, it's not a good time to talk to my mom at all because you you you're not gonna get what you came for, baby. And so like, I'm a person like so because I my parents are basically like, hey girl, um it seems like you got this. We will catch you later. And I was like, I'm two months old. And they're like, yeah, we left some diapers in the corner. See you around. You got it. We're confident. In you. You're so smart, man. Every time we talk to you, you're saying some of them new words. This is wild. You're a smart person, girl we're confident in you, go ahead and do it. And because I was raised like that and I did not want to be raised that way, um, they kept giving me compliments about how smart and how capable I was. And I'd be like, yeah, I am a kid. (laughs) I'm a kid. (laughs) They'd be like, yeah, but you got it, girl. So so with my kids, I I strive not to be like that. And I might be a little bit too, because I, I, I want my kids to be kids for as long as they can possibly be. But there are times when I get frustrated because I'm like, bro, you could not survive a day in my childhood and you couldn't survive 10 minutes in your father's childhood. And you over here tell me how hard it is and it don't look hard to me, bro. It looks it looks real fucking easy from where I sit. I want to tell you the story. <laughs> and they just looking at me like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. Dad's like, <laughs> like I had to protect my family. I had to protect my parents. I had to mother them. I had to, <laughs> like, I would not see my mom for like seventeen hours a day, especially in the summer. She'd be at work and school, and we had to feed ourselves. You know, I just eat like a can of corn. Like that's what I have for dinner. And then sometimes she didn't. She go out, right? So then she would go out. So then she was young, man. She she was like younger than thirty, and I'm, I'm just out here, just like living my fucking seven-year-old life because I got a young mom who's at the club and I'm eating a can of corn okay and just like watching cable and hoping for the best there's some kool-aid in there if you want it and like you know she shows up and you're just like happy to see her but then she gets mad because y'all done broke something and then she's gonna beat you yeah whoopins. I used to have to take off all my clothes, and she would beat me. Was a belt, or was a, a cable cord that she had put in? She she folded in half and wrapped with electrical tape. I used to make a sound like Zorro in the fucking air, and she used to beat me. And then, and then I'd be naked. This is when I was younger, like three and four. But I'd be naked with my little brother who's also Nick? she'd be beating him too. And when he got scared, he would piss on himself. So he'd be pissing all over the place. I'd be running from his piss from mama's belt. And finally I was like, just beat me on my own. Just, 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 I want solo beatings, please. I just, it just, I'm really stressed out right now. Just, if you're going to hit me, just, I'd rather be on my own. Hit him separately. Like, that's a real conversation I had with my mother. I remember having it. And she laughed. She laughed. She thought it was funny. She, of course, she thinks I'm funny. She think that's another thing. She'd be like, "You're so funny." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm serious. Please, to the solo beatings." And so, like, and my kids are just like, "That sounds wild." And keep in mind, my kids like have all been in foster care for a minute. They've been through a lot of shit. Okay, so when they, so when I tell them my stories, and they even give me the blink, blink. <laughs> i'm like oh yeah okay (laughs) yeah that's 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 actually not uh a thing that should have happened i don't even know i told you the story but it's difficult that's what i'm trying to say but part well here's what the thing is here's what it is i don't respect them right because subconsciously i think that people who had nice childhoods are weak right i like logically and consciously, I know it's not true, but that's what my subconscious thinks, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 you're fucking weak. You can't get through anything. Yeah, well, your mom didn't call you enough. Yeah, well, <laughs> one time my mom moved out. So we <laughs> And she did. And so, <laughs> but um I would be but that's that's what I feel subconscious I think of them as weak people I think the fact that they that people who have feelings are weak people that like the fact that you need some encouragement makes you a weak person deep inside right so that's not true and the second thing is that you think of your children as extensions of yourself that the weaknesses they show are we are, are a reflection of yourself, which is also not true. Your kids are not extensions of yourself. They're their own fucking people. They're their they're own sentient little beings, right? They're gonna do, they don't, you don't, they don't belong to you. They're gonna grow up and they're gonna be who they're gonna be and they're gonna live the lives they're gonna live and you, and you may have some influence and you may have some times where you're allowed to guide them, but the truth is they make their own decisions. That they, they are not a reflection of you. What they are is, a relation to you, you are connected to them, but you, but they're not, they're not an extension of yourself. So those are two lies that subconsciously are deep, buried deep in there. And that's why I get upset because I'm like, I would never cry with that. I would sit down and just do my homework because people don't have time to like, talk to you about your fucking homework. And the last thing you wanna do is be in the middle, downstairs like crying over some fucking math and bothering people. So just do the math. I know you don't know how to do it, but just like read some stuff and figure it out. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Because that's what I would have done. They don't even know when I had my homework because I just do it because what's the point of talking to them about it? They don't know how to fucking do it. They're not that smart, to be completely honest, and they don't give a fuck. So they're just like, listen, we're drinking. You're going to have to figure it out later. (laughs) And so... I got that all inside me, and then also, and but you're, but then also, I'm dealing with this person that's crying because they don't know how to multiply. And you're like, it's not that fucking hard, though. And there's nothing to cry about. But what you're really, what's really going on? And so, I'm gonna stop talking about this. But I'm, I'm gonna say this: that like when you start to parent children, what happens is that you immediately are confronted with your own childhood. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? The good stuff you feel like you're not going to live up to. The bad shit you're going to, you feel like, um, you don't ever want to happen to them and you'll do anything to keep it in the ugly shit. You try to hide and it comes out and it's, you are immediately confronted with that. And, and I have found that a lot of times I get angry, right? I get angry about things. Things that are broken, things that are lost, things. And that's not just for me. That's that's like, that's not for, just for my kids. It's for everybody around me. I get angry. And what I have realized is that I'm not angry at that person. And I'm not angry at the situation at all. Uh, consciously, shit happens. And, you know, I'm a pretty easygoing person. Subconsciously, what happens is that I get angry that I wasn't allowed to have those mistakes. I get angry that I had to be tough, that I had to be competent, that there was no room for any mistakes. There's like, there's like, I'm not saying I didn't make them. I made mistakes all the fucking time, but there was no room and no time for me to be sitting around losing my house keys. There was no one to let me in. So, and I didn't, my dad was in another fucking country deployed and my mom was at the club probably. Well, she was at work too. She worked a lot too and she went to school, but then she went to the club afterwards. And so like, I didn't have any chances to lose my fucking keys because it's the first grade and I will be out here all fucking night, bro. I gotta get in, where are the keys? And when I realized that I'm angry about that kid and not about what's going on right here, you know? Um, But it's that extension of yourself that, as a parent you have to let go of because they're not. They're they're their own fucking people. You know? And they might be early risers, they might be people who can't find their keys, they might be smart or dumb or fun or pretty or ugly or all kinds of fucking things. And that that's their story, not yours. And that's not something that you have to realize once. It's something you have to realize over and over and over again. That sometimes some of the stuff you're mad about has nothing to do with like, like I have to check myself all the time. Like I'm like, why do you want to do whatever? And cheeks is the child that's most like me that he's always in trouble for something he thought was about to be funny. That's absolutely. I always tell him, you know how many fucking times I had to go to my room because I thought something was about to be funny and it turned out nobody was laughing Minnie <laughs> he looks like me which is impossible because we're not biologically related but people think he's my biological child all the time he likes to read like i do and i don't know sometimes he's very angry just like me but he's not me and sometimes i'm like what the fuck are you doing bro oh he loves to be weird and i used to love to be weird too i i think i'm still pretty weird I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? And I have to pick my battles. Like he, right now he's got this big sweatshirt that his father gave him, which his father gave him a sweatshirt that he bought off of Amazon, but he didn't look to see the sizes or those uh, Asian sizes. You're buying something from China and the sizes are different. So it's too small for my husband. It's also, it's too big for my 11 year old cheeks. But he gave it to Cheeks, and now Cheeks swims in it, and Cheeks wants to wear it all the time. All the time. No matter how hot it is, no matter what. He's not allowed to wear non-branded, school-branded uh, clothing at school, and yet he's sneaking it at school. It's got a big hole in it. He's chewing on the um the, the uh, little straps, the little things to tighten the hood. He's always got the hood on it, and it annoys the fuck out of me. But part of, like, my growth is a parent, my my part of me working very hard to be a good parent is divorcing myself from this narrative and being like, okay, is he safe? Is, is, is this, is it necessary to take this from him or do you just not, is he just annoying to look at right now? And you're thinking to yourself, that's disgusting. I don't want to. Be, I don't want anybody to know that my kid's doing that. You guys are embarrassing me. Like, is is that what it is? Because if that's what it is, that doesn't matter. Is he happy? He's really happy when he wears that fucking sweatshirt, even when it's hot as fuck. He's really happy in it. And so, like, I'm just like, okay, well, put your fucking sweatshirt on, bro. I can't wait till you grow out of it. Put, put it. And and that's not a one time thing. That's an over and over and over thing. Tons of shit with Bunny. Like, my mother wound shit, Bunny triggers the fuck out of it. Triggers the fuck out of it. Because Bunny's got mommy shit with her bio mom. And I got mommy shit with my bio mom. And now I'm supposed to be Bunny's mommy. And the two of us have to work stuff out. Bunny triggers the fuck out of me. Um, Casey Rose Wilson, about a year ago, was like, I should have a baby. I should have a baby girl. I just want a girl. She has two daughters, sons. One of which she switched his name when he was like a year old, which is different. But whatever, it's gonna be a funny story he tells one day. I don't think it's gonna really affect him. I think it's a. I think it's gonna affect Casey Rose Wilson more. But anyway, she was talking about having a daughter, and recently it turned out she had a daughter by surrogacy. But I remember at the time I was like, she should just go ahead and have a daughter. But she needs to understand that. Um. A, a daughter will, that, that thing where we have to parent ourselves before we can parent other people, a daughter, when you're a woman, a daughter will like, will take more out of you with that because you, you sometimes will almost be looking directly at this kid and seeing yourself. It is difficult. Um, Sharna has other kids, but this is a special case. And as I just described all those things to you, though, where I have to sit here and like remind myself I am not parenting myself. Um, this is not 1986. Um, I I have valid anger over things that happened to me when I was a fucking kid. But also it's not okay to take this out on the people that are in my life right now who also weren't there, who also weren't a part of it. It's just not part. It's not possible. If I need to talk about this, I need to go talk to my mom about this or my dad. Um, and I have, and I do, and I will, right? Anytime I, I feel like I need to, I do. And it's, it work. And I'll say this about my parents is that they are an amazing at listening. And they, my parents grew up, I grew up alongside my parents. And what happened is that they, they like, I'll be 43 this year. And my dad just hit his sixties, just. And so like, what happened is that, by the time my parents became like competent like semi-realized people I was like a teenager and so everything we'd done had been done or most of it and so like my parents it, it, it there's just like so now we can have these conversations and 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 they're great at listening, they're great at understanding. They're I mean, some shit they don't even fucking remember because it doesn't it never it wasn't that big to them. But I love the way that they validate me. And they are like they apologize when they need to. They talk they they will talk about the things they did wrong. They are very open with that. And my mother in particular is constantly praising my mothering and telling and like I'll tell her about something I'm doing and she'll be like, I would have never thought to do that. Um, she sends me Mother's Day cards where she writes these long like letters to me about how I am the mother she wishes she could be and how if I had been, if I, sometimes she wishes that I had been around when she was mothering so she, I could have been a role model for her. She's constantly giving me my flowers. And like, so that that works really well. But, or rather, I don't, it works out that I'm able to have these conversations because i know other people in similar situations can't right her, their mother's all like but did you die did you die all right and so but the way my mother responds to me is in a way that is um very clear that she did her best she understands her best wasn't always good enough um just because she didn't just because she didn't like break all the generational traumas and In our bloodlines doesn't mean she didn't do some of them. And the truth is, she did. There's a lot of things that she went through that I'll never have to go through. And I'm grateful for her for that. But it's up to me to do the work to be like, where's this conversation supposed to be at? Right? Not with my 10-year-old daughter because I'm upset that every time she gets dressed, she puts on these white pair of jeans. It's bothering the fuck out of me. And I remember fighting with my mom because I wanted to wear this specific thing over and over and over again. And she wouldn't let me, and she eventually threw it away when I wasn't looking because she didn't want me to wear it. Because that's how she used to handle things. She'd wait till you weren't looking and throw the thing away. Then she'd help you look for it, which was, like, diabolical. But that she would absolutely do that shit. It's so one time um, my brother had come home with this cake from his mother's house. This is my stepbrother. And he'd come home with this cake from his mother's house, and the cake had, like, a... The cake... My brother doesn't listen to this. I don't think he knows. Um the cake, um the cake container had like a hole in it where it was like burnt or it looked like something had chewed through it. I'm not sure. And my mom was like really upset about this cake because she felt like she felt like some animal had gotten to this cake. And so what I found it, but it was his birthday cake. And so we'd all had some of the cake. It was fine. And what I found, like my mom was in the kitchen one day and I walked in there and she was cutting a piece of the cake and throwing it away. And what she was doing is several times a day, she would go in the kitchen and cut a piece of that cake and throw it away so that it would go, be gone faster. Right. In her passive aggressive way. And I I was like, that's what I found out when I called and she when I said what the fuck are you doing and she told me and I was like don't do that don't do that and she's like it's like as if I was eating a piece of it but then I didn't and I was like yeah no but yeah (laughs) but like that's how my mother would handle things like it wouldn't be straight on with you it would be like a sniper from the side and then then she would be dishonest about it and then you find out later and then she would like make it seem like you were you were being annoying by bringing it up, you know? And so she's not like that anymore. I mean, she can be like that, but she, basically Yvonne does what the fuck she wants and she says whatever she needs to say about that. Um, but I've been pleasantly surprised over the years as I've confronted her straight on about certain things and she's been like, honest and truthful and willing to listen and willing to make reparations she always she's like what can I do now what can I do now to make up for that and sometimes it's nothing but the fact that she wants to is enough so anyway what I'm saying though is that a lot of parenting is is understanding when it's your inner child I'm sorry for using that term but I'm sorry but I don't have any other A lot of parenting is understanding when it's your inner child that is asking you to parent them and separating that from you, from what's going on with this child and resolving those issues so that you can handle, so you can handle the parenting with all the right tools and everything. And sometimes you don't even know until it's already started. So what'll happen is that you'll just be like living your life and suddenly be triggered by something. And like, so like Bunny with the, with the white jeans all the time. I bought her those jeans because I knew she wanted them. And I, I don't buy my kids things so they can't use it. That's stupid. Why would I waste my money like that? Why, why would I, what, what games am I playing here? So if it's clean, she can wear it. That's it. And if I'm like, oh my God, she's in the fucking same outfit again. She's She's wearing the exact same thing again. Then I go in my room. And if I need to, I talk to my husband about it. If I gotta write in my journal about, it, if I need to call my own mother and be like, "Girl, Bunny's wearing the jeans again," we can have that conversation. But I don't put that shit on her, and I would never take something from her. I would never take something from her like that. I would never do that. A lot of you know that Bunny's bio mom gave her when Bunny came to live with us. She was six years old. The first time she came to live with us, and she had these fucking boots. <laughs> That were like sci high boots i think they were like what they were super small like adult boots that were probably like knee high on an adult but she's she's a child so they're like sci high boots they're like the boots julia roberts was wearing in pretty woman and she was like <laughs> she was like uh she loved those fucking boots and i was like listen these boots are great you look great in them Okay,, <laughs> yeah, she do like a child prostitute, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, she do, but that's the look you were going for, okay, cool, uh, but um, they're not appropriate to wear outside, so you can't wear them. And lots of people were like, you just need to take those boots from her, and I'm like, I'm not taking boot. I'm not taking these her bio mother gave them to her i she doesn't have a lot of things, her bio mother, I'm never gonna take them from her, and over the years, what happened? She grew out of them, being able to wear them, and she just was like. Uh, she made a decision one day that she that she was like cleaning out her room and she wanted to get rid of them. I would never take them from her. I'm not going to take these white jeans that I gave her that she adores from her or not allow her to wear them because I'm sick of looking at them. And I'm, but that's a, that's a me thing, not a her thing. And part of parenting is realizing what's a you thing and what's a them thing. So Sharna, Sharna has two kids and she's in a different... She has two other kids besides Kamaya and she's in a different position than I am. This is her first child. Kamaya was her first child. Um so obviously, you know, I can't I can't even imagine, right? Um but that is something she has to work out with a trained professional to help her connect with Kamaya but also separate that from the Kamaya she she knew. Or the Kamaya she made up in her head for fucking two decades. It's just, it's, it's incredibly important, but I don't think that's what's going on here. Um, so the first part of this episode is just mostly Kamaya saying she doesn't have any emotions. And I- Yanla, Yanla keeps asking her about, like, you know, you know, your mom didn't show up here. And your mommy's in jail. And... And Kamaya being like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't really have any feelings about it. And Ayanla being like, you can't talk about it. You can't heal. And, you know, Kamaya being like, I don't like to pick between the two mothers. And Ayanla being like, that's not true. You have one mother. You have a mother. And Kamaya is very calm, but her hands are shaky. She's petting that couch hard. She's putting a hole in that fucking couch by petting it so fucking hard. Ayanla shares with her, that she didn't find out that the woman she believed to be her mother wasn't her mother until she was in her 30s her biological mother died when she was two and she didn't find out she was 30 that, that 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 happened which is i found to be an egregious thing like i said everybody should know their story you know this is us i had a lot of problems with that show i think i did an episode on it <laughs> go back it might be on the patreon i'm sorry I know a lot of you are like, Princess, stop talking about the Patreon. I have to talk about the Patreon because people don't know, I swear to God, when I stop talking about it, people will be like, I didn't even know you had one. I have to fucking talk about it. And sometimes it comes up organically like this. I did an episode on This Is Us. And one of the things I found egregious about the show is how they turned it into just a little blip that Randall, if you don't know, uh, the, the show stars Mandy Moore and Jess from Gilmore Girls. And they are going into labor with triplets and one of the babies, Kyle, dies. And they, and while she she's out, the father, who I've talked numerous times about how much I dislike this man, um, the father this a, a little black these are white people a little black baby is brought in from a get from a um from a fire station and he decides he's going to take that baby to replace the baby that died this is a simple this is simplet this is a simple simplistic view of what happened but this is exactly what happened she wakes up and he tells her that that one of her babies died but don't worry i found this black one in the hallway and we're going to raise him yes that's what happens And at first they try to call him Kyle and like it doesn't work out and everything, but they eventually, what happens is that she realizes that this man that's been like watching is, is Randall's biological father that took him to the fire station when his mother died, but she didn't die. But anyway, and... She met with him. She actually names Randall after after a book that the guy William gave her, and, but she never told Randall. She never fucking told Randall. And there are plenty of times she could have told Randall. There are plenty of appropriate times that she could have told him. Um, when he was a teenager. There were times when he turned 18 would have been a lovely time to talk to him about it, to sit down and be like, here's everything I have on your birth family. And here's what I know. And here's that, that would have been a wonderful time. I understand that this father, that his adoptive dad died around that time, but still, this is your responsibility. This is an adoptive parent's responsibility to make sure that they tell, they talk about this and then to also help, help. Do not adopt any children. You do not plan on helping them connect to their biological family. I don't care how you feel about it. You have to, you have to, it's your job. You, you have to be supportive for them. Okay. Maybe you don't have to go meet them if you don't want to. If you have all these feelings about them, go talk about it with your therapist, but this is a part of your job. Do not do that. Do not. They need to, everyone needs to know that they have a right to, um, But this is the problem I have with this character, this Mandy Moore character who everyone adores and everything. I'm like, she did a really bad thing, like a really fucking bad thing. And she kept doing it. Randall's almost 40. I think he's like 35 when he finds his bio family and his bio father. And it's a year into him having a relationship with his bio father that he realizes that his adoptive mother knew about his bio father, knew exactly where he was, knew exactly how to get in contact with him the entire time. It's horrendous. But, um, yeah, that's really egregious that they did not tell Ayala that. But she shares that with Kamaya, And Kamaya just gives her the blink-blink. Like, she's just like, yeah. <laughs> and, um, Kamiya tells her, she's like, you keep using secrets and lies. She keeps saying secret and lies, but I don't want my mother to be called a liar. And... Ayanna was like, but what if she lied? She's like, yeah, but we're not going to call her a liar. She has, she feels very protective of Gloria. Of course she does. Everyone's talking all saying all these bad things about Gloria, but to her, Gloria wasn't a bad mother. So she doesn't want her to be called a liar, regardless of that's what she is. And because Gloria, the Gloria story is that Gloria, like I said, had that miscarriage, was in like a you know a really bad mental state didn't really understand what she was doing Kamaya believes that and so she feels like even her even gloria is a victim of this thing that happened even though gloria is the one that did it she's a victim of it you know it's possible that if gloria had had some sort of mental break excuse me i'm not using the correct words for this if gloria had had these um some sort of mental break and had realized she'd taken that baby she could have easily I don't know if she could have explained to the people in her life who who just thought she had a baby um but she could have easily taken that baby and dropped it off at a fire station a police station a hospital with a note that says you know this is the Mobley baby that was taken I'm sorry or whatever she could have easily done that, but she didn't. So um that's I don't but obviously Kamaya is feels protective of Gloria. So that's when Ayanla leads Kamaya to a bedroom with a pink silhouette. A pink sil silhouette of a person in a fetal position on the wall. I wanna know what intern was in charge of going to FedEx to the FedEx store to print this shit out. This looks cheap they should be fired they should be given a write up and guidance and, a, and an improvement plan because this is, girl so that's on the wall and I'm uncomfortable with the whole situation i know kamayo is uncomfortable i don't like how she led her in that room i don't like how ayana flopped on the on the bed i don't like how she's like you know you you in the womb again And you about to be reborn. Because the first thing I think of is that Law & Order episode. It's SVU, I believe. Where, um, I don't know if that kid was adopted or just like had attachment issues. I'm not sure. But they were trying to, you know, quacks used to make like kids with attachment issues. They would have them be reborn. Like they put them in a a blanket and be like, (laughs) fight, fight to be born. Shit like that. Like, this is this is like a trend for a while, um, and they actually killed a kid because they because the blankets were all around. Anyway, that's the first thing I hear, I see. I'm like, don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. No, um, I'm like just uncomfortable, and they're talking about. Kamaya's life. And Kamaya's life says that before her mother went to jail, her life was very normal and afterwards it became very challenging. Um, She's doing it with a flat affect though. And Ayanla grabs her and starts rocking her and cuddling her and I I am uncomfortable with this. I understand. Well, I don't understand. I assume that people go on this show with the understanding that they will be physically touched by Ayanla. Okay, great. I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to. And I would be very uncomfortable to be rocked and cuddled like that. Um You know, they talk about whether Kamaya believes Gloria should be in jail. And Kamaya says yes, but it is also emotional. And no matter what Ayanla says, she just stares blankly and she says she doesn't think about it. So Ayanla wraps her up in a pink fuzzy blanket with just her head sticking out and she looks ridiculous. And Ayala asked her if she asked her birth mom why she didn't come to, to the set. And uh, Kamaya says she didn't. And she's like, You didn't call her? And K- Kamaya says, um, No, that's asking for a cuss out. You call her. You ask her. And Ayala says, I'll call her. I'll call her if you admit that you're, that you, what you need is your bio mom to be okay with the fact that you're still in in relation with Gloria. So, yeah, that's what Kamaya needs. Kamaya needs everyone to go very slowly and to not ask her to choose sides and to not ask her to you know, go a hundred miles an hour down this road. That's what she, she needs to space to work out her feelings and allow her to be mad at who she needs to be mad at and to forgive who she needs to be forgiven, grieve what she needs to grieve. There, this, this is like some shit that's not going to happen over a fucking weekend, guys. And everybody needs to like, the victim in this is Kamaya, right? So... All these years, Sharna and Craig have been thinking, obviously think of themselves as the victims, right? I saw, I remember, well, they did a video on the show, but I remember watching this when this episode first came out and like going to find that that news interview with Sharna where she's like scream crying. She just wants her baby back. She just wants her baby back. It shouldn't have happened. She just wants her baby back. Um, she is the victim here. But what has happened Until in certain, I believe Sharna's a victim. Don't get me wrong; she is a victim of this case. But what's gone, what now has happened is Kamaya is a real person, and she's the ultimate victim here. She's the she's her victimhood is is more than Sharna's and Craig's. It's more than Gloria's. It's more than anyone's. And so we have to rally around Kamaya, and we need to give her as much space and as much time as she needs. We cannot demand that she get over this bridge right now. So that's what I'm say. I just didn't like the way she said it. And I didn't like being in that room. And I didn't like any of that. Um so then we go talk to Craig. Um and what Craig I Craig is a very tall, skinny man. He is remarried, his wife is there. Also swerve. Um, Kamaya's boyfriend is there. Kamaya's boyfriend, if I'd like to see some ID. If he told me he was 30 years old, I'd believe him. No questions asked. That's a g- grown man. And maybe it's the mustache that's fooling me. I don't know. But no. So Craig says the Sharna is upset because Kamaya calls Gloria her mother. All right, we already knew that. And the thing is that Kamaya doesn't have a father, right? Okay, so this happens all the time with foster kids. It's happened with my adoptive kids. My, they don't have fathers or they don't have consistent fathers. So when foster kids came to my house, Mr. Curtis easily slotted in there. Monkey, so when we got Monkey and Bunny, we got them in the middle of the night. Mr. Curtis was asleep. And had to go to work very, like, he had to go to work at, like, he, he was working, like, midnight to, like, 6 a.m. at the time. So, when they came, we waited up late for them. The caseworker brought them. They'd never been to a black person's house, yada, yada, yada. We, we came in. We got them worked out. We, we we fed them. Um, And then everyone got to bed. Mr. Curtis wakes up. He knows the kids are coming because he knew about it already. We're getting a placement. He leaves, he goes to work. The next morning we get another placement. That's when we got CC. Um, And while I'm at home, like doing the placement stuff and doing paperwork, Mr. Curtis comes home. He walks in the door. Monkey is sitting next to me. Monkey stands up in the chair and goes, daddy, and opens his arms to Mr. Curtis. And that was it. He's done. That's his dad. It is it is wild the amount of pictures he has with Monkey. Monkey was three at the time. His with Monkey in that first year of him of Monkey's just like, This is my dad. And Mr. Curtis is racially ambiguous, right? So a lot of people don't know what he is or how he is. And if I'm not there and Monkey and bunny or someplace, um, people think Mr. Curtis is their biological father or it can, it can look like he is. When I show up, they can be like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? That's a black lady. It's so, um, almost always, almost every foster kid we got met Mr. Curtis and was like, this is my, now my dad, because they didn't, they, a lot of them don't have fathers in their lives. It's just, it's the plain fucking truth, but all of them have mothers all of them. And so their relationship with me is more complicated. I've talked about how CeCe used to call me mom. I don't, I don't ask anybody to, I give them lots of options of what to call me, but they just, they just do. They just do. It's easiest for them. And they, they don't want me to be their mother, but they want a mom. They want a, Oh, a person that gives hugs and cookies and, and goodnight kisses. And that they want a mom. They want mom love. And they need it at night. Like, like, like I said, even the gang member that I had as a foster kid was like, I want a kiss. <laughs> it's like, this. Is... And when I would hug him and give him a kiss, it was like no one ever touched him a day in his fucking life. He would, he would be, he would be so thrilled till nighttime came and he could hug me goodnight. And it wouldn't, and he didn't have to like explain why he was hugging me. It it wasn't weird. It was, this is just what you do. It's nighttime. (laughs) Like, but there are more complicated feelings there. And Kamaya doesn't have a father. Her, the, uh, her, the, the dad that she thought she had that that her and her parents were broken up. She's estranged from him. There's a lot of things going on. I think he was the abusive relationship she was in. Uh, Gloria was in and so Craig slotted right in there same thing Mr. Curtis Mr. Curtis has, an, has a biological kid that was adopted that we found out about um about three years into our marriage for a lot of people they would just find out about that and they just move on they didn't have any fathers in that family there were no fathers people were either divorced or or just no, no men were around so he slotted right into that family. They were like, oh, hi, come be the dad. And he did. And he was. There was no acclamation point because my stepkid had many mothers, you know, adoptive mother, bio mom. And then I showed up. And so, but in terms of fathers, Mr. Curtis is all they've ever known. Even though they were adopted as a baby and they didn't meet Mr. Curtis until they were eight years old. It was very simple. They were like, hello, father. And off they go. And that's why I don't think we talk enough. Like so in this episode, Craig has a very like. Kamaya has accepted Craig with open arms it's because Kamaya there was no there's nobody in Craig's spot in her life. Um. It's the bio mom and Gloria; those two ideas that are at odds with Kamaya. So Craig says he wants to stop that relationship with Gloria. And Ayamula says he has to figure it out because Kamaya's gonna do it. He's gonna lose Kamaya if he tries to push. And I agree. Um what they what they can what they kind of end up on is that Craig needs to explain to Kamaya what he has gone through all these years so that she has the information, but she still gets to decide whether she Whether she wants to have a relationship with Gloria, and I think that's I think that's also true. You you give them what you give them age appropriate information and let them do with that what they need to do with it. You can control what you give them. You can't control what they do with it though. Control is an illusion. I know. You know. Here's America's number one control freak, Princess Jones Curtis. But control is an illusion. You can't. There's a lot of shit you can control. There's very. It's actually very little you can control in this world. And part of that is what your kidnapped daughter is going to think about her abductors when she had a pretty nice life with them. Um so Ayanla has swerved the boyfriend, the uh, Craig and his new wife write down on these little sticky hearts what they know of Kamaya. And she has Kamaya doing some work too. So she takes the sticky notes upstairs and talks to Kamaya, and like puts them out and puts them on top of the the FedEx store printout of what they said about her. But then she adds her own, and she says that Kamaya is alone and lost and blind and naive and shut down and frightened, and that she's only known Kamaya twelve hours and she can see all of that. And Ayala tells Craig. That he lost Kamaya, but he found Alexis, which is true, and and they are very different. He says that he gave her that he gave her time and Ayanla says she doesn't need time, she needs truth in therapy. Keep in mind Ayanla is not a therapist, okay? But still, I feel you. Ayanla says that Kamaya won't say what she's feeling, so she's she's talking to Craig and Craig's wife and swerve at this point. So what she needs to do is trigger Kamaya and break her down. she's to break Kamaya's heart. So that Kamaya can express her feelings. She wants to get her to express herself. She wants to keep, so this is, so she's telling them this. And like, I don't think this was filmed afterwards. Like I said, I, maybe I didn't say. One of the reasons I want to talk about this is because I think this is one of the worst will fix in my lives. Um, there was a lot of criticism when this came out, even for me. that was like, I don't know if that was the thing to do, but I'll get to that. So she, she's about to trigger Kamaya. And what she says she's gonna do is she's gonna try to keep Kamaya there that night. And what she wants is she wants the boyfriend and the father and the stepmother not to answer the phone when Kamaya calls. They're all very worried. And I and Ayala rightfully says that Craig is terrified of losing her again. I'm like, yeah, Ayala, you think? You think? But what she's trying to imply is that he really coddles her and he doesn't like, Confront her with anything because he's afraid she might get upset and walk out of his life. But I don't know, Ayanla I don't. I don't know that Craig needs to be running. I don't know that anybody needs to be running up on Kamaya. But that's what is about to do. So Ayala goes upstairs. She tells Kamaya that she's spending the night. Ka- Kamaya doesn't says, "Oh, I don't feel comfortable," and Ayanla says that it isn't mandatory, but it is necessary. And she says that Kamaya didn't choose to be kidnapped. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you kidnapping her? What the fuck are you saying? And then as she leaves, Ayala pops her head back in and goes and kind of laughs and says, and if you call your dad a boyfriend, they might not answer because I told him not to. Okay, she is just activating Kamaya, And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, mm no, no. Ayala says she gave them this assignment and that's what they're gonna do and sh- and that Kamaya should be upset with her and not with them. And Kamaya's like, okay, well, you need to tell him to come get me. And Ayala's like, nope. And as Ka- Kamaya starts dialing on her phone, she says this, he doesn't come to get her. She's gonna punch him in his face. So I guess she's talking about Swerve. I'd also like to say, Swerve, what is your name? Is that like, is your name actually Swerve? Like, I wanna be on, like, I have grown to be more careful about calling people what they want to be called, right? Not being like, I'm gonna call you the name of your mama called you, because the truth is that that's that's something that people use against trans people. And I don't want to ever be in a position where I am like parroting anything bigots are saying, right? You know, this is why I came like I, I famously I've told you guys. Caitlyn Jenner is the reason why I, I try to refer to that man formerly known as Little Bow Wow as Shad. Because he wants to be called fucking Shad. Even, But I remember when he was like, call me Shad. I was like, no, I don't care. I'm calling you Little Bow Wow. But, now, but like, I remember when Caitlyn Jenner came out and I was like, yeah, I'll call you Kate. I don't have a problem with that. And then immediately being like, why do I keep calling that guy Little <laughs> Um, But yeah, like, I don't have a problem calling him Swerve Swerve. That's what Swerve wants to be called. But I'm curious, is how we got to Swerve? Is there another name you go by? And also, how old are you, Swerve? Kamaya is 18, 19 years old. How old are you? So... Ayanla says, okay, so none of that is here. And she points to the printout from the FedEx store and she goes, and uh, Kamaya says, oh yeah, I will flip. I'm about to flip. I'm about to flip. And Ayanla asks, why don't these people know that part of her? And this point, um, Kamaya has got somebody on the phone and she's no longer talking to Ayanla. She's talking about how Ayanla told her not to pick her up the phone, how upset. And she's walking out of the room and down the stairs and out the front door to the porch. Kamaya says something that I find to be very valid. It's one of the problems I have with this episode. Ayala, you told her she didn't have to stay. And then you told the people that would give her a ride not to pick up her phone. Now, I'm grown. I will walk right out of here. I will uh I will get who whatever producer is on site and tell them they better get me a car out of there. I will call an Uber. I will walk to the end of this fucking street and hop on a bus. But Kamaya's not grown like that. I mean, she's nineteen. But she's not a grown up. And like I know, you can't keep me here. And if I don't want to be here, which I also I you want me to stay in this Airbnb that you set up for production overnight? Why? With who? I don't have my PJs, girl. What? I would say a no too. But Kamaya is reacting very badly on screen. Let me take that back. Because at the time, people were saying all kinds of things that she's rude and wild and even Ayanna calls her disrespectful. But I'm like, Ayanna tells us she purposely did this, that she was going to make this happen. So, why are y'all acting like Kamaya is acting out of nowhere? Ayanna told us this is what she was gonna do. So, is this Kamaya's fault? You know, so they're outside, they're on the porch. Um, it's thundering and lightning behind them, and it looks like it's raining. It was like a backdrop. And she's telling the cameraman to get away from her, production scurrying to get out of the way of the camera. Ayala says, Nobody put disrespectful on the board in kind of a sing song way. And that set Kamaya off. And she slaps a, she like slams a water bottle into the wall. Not in Ayanla's direction. She's not going to hit her, but it's aggressive. And again, y'all pushed her to do this. Y'all wanted her to be like this because you said you want to get feelings out of her. So Kamaya tells Ayanla that her boyfriend listens to her and now which causes Ayanla to yell, that's not on the board. And Ayanla is trying to talk to her, but Kamaya turns her back on her. She... They start to talk over each other. Um, Kamaya finally screams, forget you bitch, get the fuck out of my face. And Ayala goes, okay. And walks back to the magic school bus or wherever the fuck she came from. So she goes back in the house and there is Kamaya's people, you know, her, her bio father, her stepmother and her boyfriend. And I mean, they can hear Kamaya cause they're just in a different room. And, she, Ayanna was like, "Why didn't I see disrespectful and rage and out of control on the board?" And Craig says, "Because we don't know her like that." And she's like, "Oh, and everyone says this is fine. Wants to know why? Why I'm seeing it and you haven't? And 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 why are y'all letting this happen?" And I'm like, "They're you're seeing and they're not and they're not because they didn't lock Kamaya in an Airbnb tell her her ride wouldn't come get her." I found this to be. Incredibly, like, just ill advised. Kamaya has. It's been 10 months since all this stuff had come out, so it's been about a year of her knowing her bio family and everything. Kamaya has abandonment shit. Kamaya is scared. Kamaya is alone in this world. Kamaya is numb and like numbing her feelings and trying not to have any feelings because, you know, every time somebody talks to Kamaya or about Kamaya, it's. About this, and she's trying desperately not to have a lot of feelings. The only person she's ever loved as a mother is in is in prison, and I bet Kamaya feels some kind of way. Like I bet Amaya Kamaya feels like, um, she is sort of responsible too, and not just in the fact that she literally is responsible and that she told. A friend about the secret and if she never told the secret then no one would know but also just like the the way you feel responsible as a child when your parents are in trouble and it has even if even if they've like hurt you and they're in trouble like you feel responsible for it and like y'all y'all are activating all those things and then being like look how disrespectful she is anybody would be disrespectful in that situation Ayanla if I tried to lock you in an airbnb You, you do the same. You, you act the same way. So, like she only has a few people left in her life. Like the biggest influence of her life ever is gone now. And she only has a few people left in her life. And you told her that you told those people not to answer her phone calls and that they wouldn't come to help her. So Kamaya is on the phone screaming still, she's escalating, escalating, escalating. And Ayala comes back to say, Kamaya, your father's here. Kamaya is still so upset she can't even hear Ayala. She's telling someone on the phone she doesn't know why this bitch is still talking to her. And she's talking about beating Ayala up. You're not gonna beat up Miss Frizzle, uh, Kamaya. You're not gonna beat her up. Yeah, she should have gotten the field trip uh, permission slip signed. You can't just take children into space without permission slips, but you're not gonna beat her up. Come on, come on. Um, She kind of ifs at Ayanla. So what's an if? An if is when you kind of like, how do I explain this? It's kind of when you kind of like, kind of raise your hand up and act like you're gonna hit someone, but don't hit, it's called ifing. Like, if I hit you. (laughs) So she ifs at um, Ayanla and, um, you know, somebody in protection, a large white man is like trying to get in between them and try to be protective. Um, Ayanla doesn't seem worried at all. Um, So, And that's when she hears her, like Ayanla say her father is here. And she rushes to her dad, yelling, Daddy, I'm not going to stay here. This lady is crazy. I'm about to fuck her up. I'll stab the fuck out of her. I do this. Tell this old bitch she'll get slapped. I slapped older, bigger bitches than this before. Yo, big man ass looking bitch. I mean, she is going off. And uh, Craig is all like, she's venting right now. And Ayanla asks why he isn't checking her. And, you know, Kamaya is still in the background yelling. And now she's calling Ayanla a dumbass bitch. Swerve walks in the room and she starts screaming, why the fuck would you leave? Why the fuck would you leave? Um it's it's commotion, is what it is. And Ayanla walks over to the camera and starts talking to directly to it, Jim Halpert style. Like she just didn't create all this. That's the that's the thing that really bothers me, is that like uh Kamaya's in a vulnerable state, in a vulnerable place right now. Even just coming on this show, she thought her bio mom was gonna show up and she didn't, okay? So she's, a, like, she's, just, she's abandoned left and right, on purpose or not, abandonment, abandonment, abandonment. And you out here, t- like you, <laughs> it's so weird. She's talking to the camera like she didn't set this fire around behind her. People are screaming. But she goes, there comes a moment when you just have to let go. I don't have to fight you for your healing. I'm not, if if Kamaya isn't ready, she says Kamaya isn't ready and the family doesn't have the skills or tools to help her. It's okay, you can only take people to where they can go and then you have to let go. And she's saying it so calmly and with a smile, I'm like, you set this bitch on fire. You, check behind her back, there's a gas can behind her back. She did this and some matches. Um, Yo, so that's the end of Kamaya. We don't see Kamaya again. Normally on day two, they would have had like some, they would have had like a moment where Kamaya could meet this other woman that had been kidnapped at birth and raised by the kidnapper. And she had a similar story. She found out her mother wasn't her mother when she was 16, but found that she was abducted when she was 23. And she wasn't her biological mother. And she talks about, because she thought she'd been adopted. And she found that she'd been abducted when she was 23. She talked about losing trust and being lost when she found out, which is totally understandable. And and how she wished she could have been able to talk to Kamaya, which I understand too, because I don't know if that would have been helpful. I don't know Kamaya's even there. Kamaya's not open to anything right now. Kamaya's still like a hard little shell. And I can totally empathize with that, but like like being a hard little shell protects you, but you can't let nothing in. Right? You can't get any sunlight, you can't get any love, you can't get any nutrients, cause your heart little shell is like closed. Um, and she's not ready. That's that's the truth. She ain't fucking ready. So I don't know what talking to this woman would have done for her, but Ayanla gives a final, like you know, ends the show where she's talking to the camera. She says that Kamaya is alone and enraged, she needs mom's, to she, she reads what she was writing in her journal when she came upstairs to tell her that she couldn't leave. I did tell her she could leave. I said she couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't get a ride from any of the people that had brought her here. (laughs) Okay. Um, you know, and it's basically that how she, how this is typical and how she's, she just feels like she shouldn't be here. And she doesn't know if saying some of these things is okay. And it's nothing new for her and then Ayanna closes that book and it's like yep fixed another life I don't know Ayanna. <laughs> I don't know babe I don't think that's I don't think that's what happened I think that you are still zero for five and I and I hope that you get I I don't I don't know Ayanna. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. If you can give me a five-star review, please do. I promise I will never lock you in an Airbnb and tell you Swerve can't pick you up. Swerve can always pick you up. I'll tell Swerve exactly what time to come get you. No big deal. And um, if you are, uh, if you just listen to the main feed, I will see you next week. And if you're a Patreon listener, I will see you, well, If you're listening to the main feed, I will see you next Sunday. And if you're a Patreon member, I will see you next Thursday. So until then, guys, later.